So notice what it says in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And he's talking about saved people here. We all have a measure of grace. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first to the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that descended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 9 and 10, just describing how Jesus is able to give these gifts. He's able to give gifts because he died. He ascended to the lower parts of the earth and he rose again. And so when he resurrected, he uh, brought salvation. But also it says he gave gifts unto men. Now, what are those gifts? This is not just talking about the gift of salvation. Because it goes on to say these gifts are some, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. These are gifts. And they were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of... Uh, um, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men of cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And the title of my sermon this morning is, I'm just calling it, You Are a Gift to the Church. And here's something we need to understand that we often forget about. But when you got saved... You got a lot of things. Often, when we talk about our salvation, we mainly just talk about the fact that we are not going to hell and that we are going to heaven. And that's 100% true. You know, that we understand we received the Holy Spirit. But with that gift of salvation, we see here in the Bible that every one of us, every one of us who received that gift of salvation, every one of us that received the Holy Spirit, a measure of grace was given and that grace that God gave you when he saved you, it wasn't just grace that gave you that uh, unmerited favor with God so you were, your sins would not be imputed unto you and you can go to heaven, but he actually gave you the ability to be useful for him. And to be useful specifically here in Ephesians 4, and we're going to go to another passage too, where it says a lot more about this, specifically this grace that you were given that was so you could be a blessing and a gift to a church, to a local body of believers. And you say, well, I don't know if I'm a gift to the church. Well, my question to you is, are you saved? Because if you have the Holy Spirit, he, then yes, you do have that ability. So I, I don't know. No, I don't know if I have any abilities. Listen, if you're saved, you've been given a measure of grace and because of that, there's something that God wants from you in this church to help this church. Why? Because God wants us growing as a church. God gave these gifts for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God doesn't want us being children tossed to and fro. God doesn't want you to be somebody after you get saved who is just jumping around from church to church and place to place and switching religions all the time and you never can figure out your doctrine. No, God wants you in a body of believers. God wants you in a real church that has right doctrine so they can help you stay straight, so they can help you be productive. And then God wants you to also help them and to help other people in the church. That is the goal. If you're saved, 
God wants you doing these things. If you are saved, you can mark it down. God has something He wants from you, something that you uniquely have, that you can uniquely bring and use for edifying in the local church. And if, and if somebody's saved and they are not in a local church or if they are not doing something for a local church, you know what? They're wasting something on themselves that God gave you for the use of the church. We're going to talk about some of those things. And, you know, there's people that I know that, you know, physically they're not capable of being in a local church, but at the same time, too, they've still managed to figure out ways to be useful to a local church. And God has given them the ability to do those things. We're not, I don't want to get ahead of myself. One of the things that we see in the Bible, too, uh, you know, when it talks about gifts, but just praying. Praying is helpful to a church. We need people praying for us. Giving is something that can really help. There are people out there that have helped a lot of ministries do a lot of things who they didn't have a lot of ability to do things themselves, but God blessed them when it came to making money and they used those things, you know, for the glory of God. You know, Anderson from Hiles Anderson, uh, Russell Anderson, he, you know, he just went to heaven recently. He's somebody who that was kind of how he did a lot in the ministry. He just gave a ton of money and a lot is being done today uh, still because of what he did. God gifted him in that area. There's things that, uh, you know, I def God has not gifted me in that area. I, I wish he would. I don't know if that's one of the best gifts that we're supposed to covet earnestly we're going to talk about, but I sometimes covet that gift. Uh, but e either way, um, you know, God gives that to some people. And you know what? Thank God for those people. Some people are more gifted, you know, when it comes to communicating. They're communicating. There's people that are gifted soul winners. I believe everybody should be a soul winner. But as you know, some Christians, they're just not very good at it. And they probably never will be very good at it. It, it. Thank God if they keep doing it and God can still use them. But you know, there are some people God's gifted more in that area. And you know what? Those people ought to use that like crazy. You know, wherever God's gifted you, you ought to use that kind of thing. And so I don't think most of us realize just how important each of us are to our local churches. And because, you know, because think about it too. You know, why is it that often too, when someone leaves the church, it often causes others to leave too. You know why that is? It's because we are a part of one body and we're all helping hold certain things together. I might decide I don't like my arm, but I might like my hand. But you know what? I can't get rid of my arm without getting rid of my hand too. And a lot of times too, that's one of the tough things for pastors and churches. They understand how things work and maybe there's sometimes somebody you need to get rid of, but it's like, man, there's these other people. If I get rid of them, they're going to go with them too. Because they're not necessarily attached to Christ. They're attached to this one thing. And I've seen that a lot in my life. You know, I am all for churches having good programs. But the problem is, you know, I, when you have a sports program in your church, some people go to church for the sports program. When you have a music program in the church, some people come for the music. And the problem with that is, you get rid of one, the music program, you get rid of the sports program, guess what? All those people go with it. You know, and I like good music in a church, but if you're coming to this church just for the music, your priorities are wrong. You know, all that, that's all there is to it. And you know what? Thank God when we can have those things, but often that does. That happens where you can have people in the church, they're a part of a ministry, and then people do, they kind of get attached to that thing. And, and it, folks, at the end of the day, it should ultimately be about the doctrine. It should be about Jesus Christ. And let me ask you, okay? And I, 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 
feel, I feel like I can ask this question because I definitely think this represents us. But what church anywhere near us do you think represents the doctrine of the Word of God better than this church? I mean, it's just not there. But you know what? You might find churches where you like the people a little better, where the pastor might be a little easier to get along with, where they might not have as many annoying people in the church. But we've all been commanded to put up with that kind of stuff, haven't we? Haven't we been commanded to forbear one another? And so, you know, a lot of people are looking for a church where they can fit in, where they like everyone. And you know what? They'll throw doctrine out just, I mean, at the drop of a hat. That's wrong. That's wrong. If you have a church that's got good doctrine, that's preaching the Word of God right, then you ought to be able to put up with everything else. I don't care how annoying the people are. You ought to be able to handle it. You ought to be able to put up with it. And we've got, we've got to make sure we always keep our priorities right. Okay, If we have some kind of program in this church that you like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with us doing things we enjoy. There's nothing wrong with us as a church doing things we like. But just understand, when, we, when you do that, you're always going to have the people that come along for that thing, for that program. And don't be surprised when they flop out on you. Because it's just the, it's, it's human nature. And let me tell you about human nature. Humans are pathetic. <laughs> And we're all there. Okay? Some of us are just trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, so we'll quit being pathetic. But you know what? You don't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're going to follow the flesh, and you will be a sorry individual. And so, we, uh, all, everyone here is important. So, verse, uh, look at a few, uh, verse 14. says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And you know how a lot of people deceive? They deceive by their niceness. They deceive by their coolness. They deceive by the fact that they never do anything offensive. But the problem is, if you don't go to a church where they teach doctrine, you're going to get blown all over the place. So understand that when God gave those gifts, those patches, evangelists, teachers, all these things, they're trying to help you, they're trying to perfect you, and that means they're they're going to sometimes work on you and help you fix things and help you purge things in your life. And that's not always a comfortable process. But we ought to be willing to deal with it. And so we, we need to understand the gifts that God gave are specifically people and the work that they do. Because you can't have a pastor, evangelist, a teacher without a person, right? So understand these, uh, these people that God gave as gifts. It's a reference to the work that they're doing. So if you are a person and you're here, you're a people, but is there a work that you're doing? Is there something that you're doing to help edify the church? That's also, that's also very important to understand. Second, we see each of those people have gifts, something given to them by God that make them a gift to the church. So Ephesians 4 does not give an exhaustive list of the gifts that God gives to the church, but I do think we can see a lot more in 1 Corinthians 12. So go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians 12. And I want to start with Ephesians 4. Because again, sometimes, and especially too, I think when you're a soul winning, when, when you're a soul winning Christian, we talk a lot about salvation. We regularly are out there dealing with the salvation issue with people. We're constantly dealing with false doctrine surrounding salvation. And so we can kind of have a very narrow focus doctrinally uh, and we can kind of miss some things. And so because we're always talking about the gift of salvation, that's kind of our focus, we often forget that with that gift of salvation came some other gifts too. 
And it's important that we think about these things and that we uh, figure out what these gifts are that God gave us so we, because that gift that he gave us is an ability so we can be a gift to the church. That's what we've got to understand. That, and, it's, it, and when you got saved, you got it. I don't want anybody here to tell me I don't have any gifts to use for the church. Okay? Don't tell me that. Uh, because technically, if you were right, that would mean you're not saved. Now, if somebody says, I don't know what my gift is, okay, that's, that's normal. Okay, that's normal. I could probably help you figure it out. I, I really think I could. In fact, you know, I think I could probably tell everyone in here areas where they are a gift to the church where you might not even realize it. And so, and I'm not going to get up here and start talking about everybody today. I might forget somebody, miss somebody or whatever, and then I'm going to get people mad at me. And, but um, and I, I think some people too, Okay, none of you are, none, it's not even here today, today, but you know, I, I think some people, the part of the body that they've been to the church is more the thorn in the flesh. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and, and you know what? That thorn in the flesh can help you get closer to God. I think sometimes God sends those thorns in the flesh to help us all as a church to get closer to Him so we can learn His grace is sufficient. But you don't want to be that thorn in the flesh person because then everybody's constantly praying to god for you to be removed <laughs> so and you, you don't want to do that but look at first corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 it says now concerning spiritual gifts brethren i would not have you ignorant okay and a lot of people are ignorant about spiritual gifts we don't want to be that way let's make sure we're familiar with these things it's important you understand this concept otherwise otherwise you might do nothing don't just be content with the fact, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Okay, you're saved and you're going to heaven because you received the gift of eternal life. But he also gave you a gift. He gave you a measure of grace so you can be a gift to the church. You have a spiritual gift. What is that? You don't want to be ignorant about this. You need to understand it. We, you know that ye were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And understand, diversities of gifts. God did not send you to this church so we could have a contest to see who could be the most like Tommy McMurtry. No, there's only supposed to be one pastor in the church. And God gave that job to me. God gave that role to me. God wants you to be you. In the church, God has something he wants you doing in the church. And it's always weird when a church turns into a bunch of clones of the pastor. I mean, obviously, some things might rub off a little bit, but it can kind of get weird sometimes. If everybody starts dressing like me, like Brother Jerry does all the time, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, does the same hairdo, you know, whatever. Uh, me and Brother Jerry, almost every time we go sewing, we're dressed alike. I don't know how it happens all the time. We look pretty different today. So uh, we're, he doesn't have the hairdo. He has facial hair. But... Um, yeah, I just I, I I thought about that as I said that, <laughs> but uh, but you know it, it can it can get kind of weird. It, it can get kind of weird. People need to learn to be who you are, and to be who God is making you into being. God wants you to be you, and so notice that the Spirit with a capital S that's mentioned that gift you gave it was by the same Spirit, and it's important that we are all the same. When it comes to the spirit, but we are actually going to be different when it comes to our gifts or what part of the body that we are. But again, the same spirit, it's very important. And there are 
differences of administrations, but the same Lord. So while everybody has different jobs, we all have the same boss. You understand that? And if you've ever worked in a factory or worked anywhere, there's a lot of different people. It starts becoming a problem when people get more focused on someone else's job than they do their own job. And, and we've had problems here before where people cause a lot of trouble because they try doing someone else's job. They try doing my job. Okay, Don't try doing my job when I'm here, when, when you're here. I'm supposed to be the pastor. We only have one, you only have one pastor in a church. And you can be a great person. You can have great gifts. But if you're trying to just be somebody else and do somebody else's job, we got a problem. You've got to do what you are supposed to do. It says, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. And all the work done with the gifts that God has given, it's all the work of God. When I'm doing my part, I'm doing the work of God. When you're doing your part, you are doing the work of God just as much as I am. When I am doing the work of God with the gift that God has given me, I am doing a work by the Spirit of God. When you are doing a work that, with the gift that God has given you, you are doing a work with the Spirit of God just as much as I am. Often the pastor gets a lot of the focus and a lot of credit for things in the church. But what a, a good church, a biblical church, the right kind of church, it's not about just the pastor. It's about the body of believers. And if we can get a church where everybody is doing the things that God has called them to do by the Spirit of God, with the grace that God has given them, uh, with you know, the Lord being their boss and all these things, we're going to have a great church. We're going to have a great church because it's not about one person. It's about the body and it, all everything that everybody does. It is the work of God. And, it, and whatever your part is, if you are doing your part, you are doing, doing the work of God just as much as I am. If I am working for this church and I, you know, you might not be, you might not be full time. You know, you, you're working another job, but if your tithes and offerings are helping provide so I can be full time, understand while I am doing the work of God full time, you know what? You're doing the work of God full time too, because God didn't call you to be the pastor. He didn't call you to be full time in the ministry. But then when you're taking the talents and the abilities you have, and you're doing things that you're supposed to do, like provide for your family, like pay your bills when you're giving folks, you're doing the work of God and you're doing, and, and others, I am doing work that wouldn't be getting done if you weren't doing your work. So again, when, boy, when we start realizing, you know, what we're, you know, what we actually all get credit for, I think it's pretty motivating personally. It is, it's a really motivating thing. And so verse seven says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So again, that those gifts that the spirit gave you is for the profit, not of yourself, but of other people. And how that manifests itself, it's through the work that you do, strengthening the church. And I say, well, man, the Lord has really blessed me with, you know, the gift of, you know, communication. Okay, great. I hope you're using that for the edifying of the church. You're not using that just to go build a YouTube channel and a podcast and a following online where you talk about politics. Like, hey, listen, if you want to have something like that, that's great. If the Lord's blessed you in the area, great. But what are you doing with that ability for the edifying of the church? 
And it is. It's sad when people do have great gifts and abilities and they're in a church and they're using those gifts and abilities everywhere but the church. You know, it would be sad if somebody in here was a fantastic singer or a fantastic musician and they're using that gift everywhere but here. It's like, come on. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're using it in other areas and maybe you found a way to make money with it. But you know what? You ought to use it in the church. You ought to, you ought to use it to edify God's people. That's why He gave it to you. So use, use that gift. And so, uh, look what it says in verse 8. Yeah, verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. You know, if you know a little more than somebody else, don't get lifted up. Okay? You got a measure of grace. Maybe God's given you some wisdom. God's given you the ability to have knowledge in some areas. But you know, there's people out there that aren't the smartest people in the world, but they're still fantastic soul winners. And a lot of times they're better soul winners than smart people. Because, you know, sometimes those really smart egghead types have like terrible personalities. And, you know, I mean, when was the last time you just knew some super educated guy that was like brilliant, was out there tearing it up soul winning? Sometimes... It's that guy that's just really zealous and excited and, you know, doesn't have the greatest vocabulary in the world, but, you know, he knows how to connect with people. You know, what's going on? God's gifted him in that area and they're using it. These things are all going to look different. And I say this too, because I get aggravated too when people in the church become, you know, they, they have like their area where they work, they have their area where they're good. And then they go and they judge everyone in, in the church. Like they're the standard of the church. Like I am, you know, King church member, look at how I'm using my gifts. Where's everybody else doing this stuff? Well, you know what? They're a different part of the body. They have a different administration. And we, all, and we always do. We always find a way to prioritize our gift. But folks, understand, if that's your gift that you've been given, that should be your priority. But other people have been gifted somewhere else. They don't need to have the same priorities as you. But boy, some people do. They just got to have this attitude. Everybody needs to be like me. No, they don't. That's not how things are supposed to work. There's going to be diversities of gifts. But you know, they have the same spirit. As long as whatever they're doing in the church, they're doing it by the same spirit, they're right with God. To another, faith by the same spirit. You know, we need people in this church who have a lot of faith because those are the ones I want praying for me. I want everybody in the church praying for me. But if we have somebody that has more faith than somebody else, I want the one with a lot of faith. Some people have more faith than others. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. That's the one I really want praying for me. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. And obviously, we know that's not talking about the Pentecostal gibberish. But you know what? Thank God for people who know how to speak other languages and can communicate with more people. I said, I had a couple of people yesterday. I couldn't communicate with them. I'm trying to tell this guy how to go to heaven. He's like, yeah, I want to go. But he, I realized he thought I was trying to take him to church. Like, well, we're, not going, we're definitely not going to heaven right now. You know? And I'm not here today to take you to church, but you know, we, just, we weren't connecting. And you know, and I don't know why I do this all the time, but whenever I talk to people and it's clear they just can't speak English, you don't really know how to walk away from that conversation because they don't understand you. And I usually end it handing them a track. Here, if you get a chance to read this, and I leave. It's like, if they can't even understand anything I'm saying, they probably can't even read that and they probably can't understand what I just said. It's just awkward. 
But you know, you don't want to just be like, well, they can't understand me and just say nothing and walk away. <laughs> that looks weird. But isn't it awkward when you have that kind of stuff, when you just, when you can't communicate with people? When I was in Israel, I had several instances like that. And I'm just like, what's wrong with all these people don't know how to speak English? But, and I'm like, wait, I'm in a foreign country right now. I'm the foreigner. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, it's very frustrating. And, you know, there are people out there that are gifted in learning languages. I don't know how they do it. But they, they can do it. They're good at it. And they're a blessing. And you know what? They have abilities to serve in areas where I probably never will. Listen, I love, I love our King James Bible. I defend our King James Bible every way I can. But you know, when it comes to certain things, that Greek and Hebrew stuff, I'm not the guy for that. I don't, I don't speak Greek and Hebrew. I can't read it. And I'm not really interested in learning it. Not 100% positive. I'm even capable of it. But you know what? Some people can. And you know what? I'm thankful for those guys. I'm thankful for those who actually have knowledge in that area and are out there defending our King James Bible. I'm thankful for them. But you know, not everybody has to do that. Not, not everybody has to do that. And it wouldn't be right for them to call me some ignorant buffoon because I don't know that much uh, you know, about foreign languages. I'm not gifted in that area. And I shouldn't be going around creaming people that aren't gifted in areas where I am gifted. That's not, that's not good. And so it's about just letting the Spirit work in you. And it's going to be different ways. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit dividing to every man severally as He will. Hey, it's, how, it's how the Holy Spirit wills. Not according to our will. Hey, there's lots of things that we might will from each other. We have people too. We've had people that have come through this church and it's like they just... They have a will for everyone in the church. It's like they want everybody to just come in the church or like when they come into a church, like have a, a people greet them like in a musical or something like that and just, you know, thrilled to death that they're there singing Be Our Guest or something like that. They just want to be the focal point. And like a lot of these people too, I mean, folks, we have had people that have come to the, a, a very few. I mean, we're talking, I mean, it is, it is a very rare thing for someone to think that our church is not friendly. I get a lot. I have always gotten compliments from visitors about how friendly our church was. I've always gotten that. But we've had a couple people, typically people who were here for a while, who were not friendly, who like complained because people weren't friendly to them at the church. It's like, hey, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. You're the problem. If anybody comes to this church and says we're not friendly, I think they're the problem. Especially if they've come here very long at all. Somebody might come on a bad day when everybody's grumpy or something like that. But I, I think you're the problem in that case. But it's like, they have a will. I want a church where everybody acts this way. I want a church where everybody's doing this. I want a church where I can control everybody with my mind, is I think what they're saying. It's like, no, how about you find the church that teaches right where God wants you, and why don't you use your gifts for that church and stop worrying about what everybody else is doing? That's what you need to do. And I think that's super weird... And yes, 100% of people who've ever said that were around here long enough to confirm these are not friendly people. And uh, they are the problem. So it says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And so notice we have an emphasis on unity because we're all one body. But there's also an emphasis on diversity because we are all different too, aren't we? And we always need to remember that. We are all different. We need to let everybody be who they are, 
But what we always need to try to make sure we're doing is that we're united in spirit, that we're working towards the same thing. And that's not what my will is. That's what God's will is. And how do I know if everybody else is doing their thing? You don't need to worry about that. What you need to worry about is my doing my thing. Am I using the gift that God gave me for the edifying of the church? Am I being a blessing and a gift to the church with the grace that God has given me? That's all you need to worry about. You would worry about that. You'll be okay. Even if everyone else isn't doing their part, you'll be fine. So verse 13, for by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit for the body is not one member, but many, if the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. Notice, God sets the members in the body. Listen, if you're, if you're here today, God set you in this body and God has a role for you that will please Him. And you need to figure out what that kind of thing is. And you know what you don't need to do is figure, you know, if you do know somebody else's role in the church to complain and say, I want that role. That's not, that's not how you should do things. You, if somebody else has a role, has a place in the church, you shouldn't be trying to get their job. You need to be figuring out what your job is. And you need to do that job. And let me tell you, if the Lord wants you to eventually do that job, he'll put you there in his time. He'll give you that opportunity. But if you go and you try to get it by mutiny or taking over or sabotaging the other person or find it, you know, proving they're a reprobate or something like that, that's not how things are supposed to go. You just need to do what you're supposed to do. God puts the members in the body as it has pleased Him. And it's what God wants, not what you want. It says that they were all, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And that is, that's when you have like that one group in the church. You know, you have the faction, you've got the, the one group that's into one ministry and another group that's into another ministry and they start competing with each other. That's wrong. Start proving which one's better than the other one. That's wrong. That's not how things are supposed to be. We don't, we don't, we don't get to act that way. Every, every part of the body is important. I don't know about you. I don't want to lose any of my body parts. I, I, I'd like to keep everything. It, it's all important. Obviously, there are parts that we notice more and care about more. And if you were going to chop off my hand, I'd want you to chop off my left hand rather than my right hand. But either way, but you know what? I sure do want my left hand. I really do. And if I lost my left hand, I'd notice it. I, I'd notice it. And a lot of things would be more difficult. There'd be a lot of things I wouldn't be able to do anymore. Because I lost, lost my left hand. So just because my right hand is more important to me doesn't mean my left hand is not very, very important. And every part is important. It says, Nay, much more of those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. And so 
only God knows how important each part of the body is, but I believe we should take care of all of it. I think we should, we should take care of all of the body. It says that there should be no schism in the body or a division. We don't want to have... Listen, my right arm is not going to work if it gets disconnected from my shoulder. It's not going to work. We don't want divisions in the body. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So one part of the body shouldn't be all worried about the other part of the body. So verse 28, And God hath set some in the church. First apostles. That's how the church was started. It started with the apostles. They were the ones that went out and started the church. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings. Helps. Governments. Diversities of tongues. Okay, government. Some people are, are good at organizing things. Some people are good at leading. Some people are just good helpers. They don't want to lead anything. They just want to help. They just want to be there. Folks, if that's your gift, great. Get, you know, when it comes to soul winning, some people, they're just silent partners. You know what that's called? That's called a help. And it's important. And even if you never become a talker or something like that, maybe, I mean, listen, there's some people, they might not be able to. There's some people that aren't able to communicate. But you know what? They're still out there. You know, and I'm thankful. You know, we've got Raleigh. He's out there with us all the time. Silent partner. You know that helps? He's not out there communicating and giving the gospel to people, but he's enabling one more person to be able, There's one more group that's able to go because he's out there with us. That's good. You know, he's a gift to the church. And, and he helps. He helps us get more people saved as a, as a church. And that's important. And you know what? We don't need to have the attitude, well, you know, we could, we could do fine without that. No. God set him in the church as it pleased him. If God wants them here, we should want them here. And we should be, and we should, and we should try to edify Him. And we should encourage Him. So He keeps doing things. And we should do that for everyone that's a part of this church. All these things are important. So it says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you, a more excellent way. So having read all this, I just have a few quick points that I want to give. I want to make sure everybody gets this because this is really important. So first off, if you are a part of a church and are saved, God has given you an ability to do something special to help edify this church. You need to figure out what it is. And again, if you need help, I'd be glad to help you with it. And uh, again, prayers, Encouragement. Again, you being here edifies. Okay, I am edif- I am more edified by people than I am by empty chairs. Okay? All there is to it. I like. I like. I mean, folks, that that gr- group right there, they're boring. Remember, brother, Net- in our old building, brother Netterville called it the Wood Family. You know, the Wood Pews. You know, nobody wants to preach to the Wood Family. They're boring. They don't respond to anything. They don't learn anything. They never grow. I don't know what we call that, whether it's made out of, but, but uh, you know, same point, same principle. I don't like them. I want to get rid of them. I, and I want to put people in their place. Human beings, that, that's better. 
That's good. You being here, it helps. It encourages. It edifies. When you're not here, it discourages. It disappoints. It doesn't edify. It does the opposite. And so again, there's, there's so many things. You praying. God hears your prayers. We need to be a praying church. That, that it's going to make us more effective. We want to be a church that getting God's attention. I do not want the Pentecostal church getting more prayers to God than us. I don't want any of the other churches. I don't want any of the other Baptist churches getting more prayers to God than us. We should be doing the most praying. We should have the most people talking to God in this area. Right? Because we want God's attention. We want God doing something this year. And so you need to figure out what that is. There's so many things that you could do. So you should never, ever be critical towards others who aren't doing as much as you are doing or doing the same thing as you. We shouldn't be that way. Again, you know, I preached a message a long time ago called Mind Your Own Business and Follow Jesus. Remember Peter? Jesus, you know, gave him some, said some things that were going to happen to him, basically told him how he was going to die, and he's like, what's going to happen to John? If I would that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow me. Uh, I don't know, you know, is Brother Aaron doing what he's supposed to do? You know what? Why don't you go ask Jesus that? Go ask Jesus how he feels about Brother Aaron. In your prayers tonight, I do. Go, brother, is, is Brother Aaron doing what he's supposed to do as a Christian, Lord? I think he's backslidden. I think he's not right with God. I don't know if he's, I don't think he's being his part of the gift that he's supposed to be. I don't know if he's using the grace that you gave him. Lord, um, what about him? You know what? I think I know what Jesus is going to tell you. Hey, mind your own business. Let's talk about you for a while. Yeah, that, that's what God wants to talk to you about. That's what you need to worry about. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's, a, it's a problem and it's a distraction and it does damage and it's ineffective when everybody gets worried about what everybody else in the church is doing. Uh, I'm going to pray to God and I'm going to be praying about everybody else's personality flaws and things that annoy me. And I'm also going to figure out how I can fix those things. No, you don't get to do that. When you, when you try doing that kind of thing, you're out of line. Listen, somebody else comes in here and they try fixing all the women in the church. They're going to have a problem. That's a husband's job. Okay? Nobody, nobody come in here and try to fix my wife. All right? That's my job. Okay? And you know what? You'd be mad if somebody was like undermining your authority with your wife. You know? And even if you agree, you know, if you think your wife's an egg, um, you know, you still wouldn't want... I mean, would any, I, I shouldn't even ask this question, but I mean, if your wife's nagging you, is it going to help if I just go up to her and I tell your wife, she's a brawling, you're a brawling woman, you're a nag, I feel sorry for your husband? I hope no husbands want me to do that. I, I think that would cause more problems for most of you men. <laughs> and again, that's not my place. But people do, they get so concerned about what everybody else is doing, that's not right. If the more you serve causes you to, more be, to be more critical to others, then you're wrong. If the more you serve, the worse your attitude gets towards people in the church, you're serving wrong. You're supposed to serve for the edifying of the church. But if all it does is makes you talk about all that you're doing and what everybody else is not doing, you're serving wrong. That's not how that's supposed to work. You know what? I'd rather you not serve and have a good attitude. I'd rather you serve and not be putting a wet blanket on everything in the church. And often, often, sometimes the hardest workers in the church do, they kind of bring the worst spirit, making everybody feel bad, making everybody feel terrible. We had a guy in the church one time, you know, he was, you know, he was told he needs to, you know, do more. It was in our old church. 
you know, about being a servant and stuff. And he just, he like literally went around, put on a big show of being a servant. Everybody's hanging out in the church and he's like practically running everybody over with a vacuum, just trying to clean up, just trying to help, just trying to be a servant. And he just kept saying it. He just kept telling them, I'm just trying to be a servant. You know, he, it was just, it was so repulsive and off-putting. And it's just like, and y'all are looking at me like you don't believe that. I'm not exaggerating one bit. I'm not, and if you knew this individual, you, you know I wasn't exaggerating. Put on a big show about being a servant. Hey, listen, there's a time you can do that kind of stuff. Wait, let, let everybody fellowship for a little bit. Let everybody enjoy themselves for a little bit. But no, no, he had to make sure everybody was seeing what he was doing. Especially the pastor who told him he needed to learn to serve. It's like, you know, that, that's messed up. And all he did is had a bad attitude to everybody. And everybody's just like, what is going on? You know, don't, don't do that kind of thing. You know, you have no business acting like your gift is more important than someone else's gift. Listen, if, whatever, you're gifted. You do that, but don't try to make everybody else do it. And obviously there are gifts that you could say are better than others based on what we read in 1 Corinthians 12. But for an individual, their priority should be to use the gift that God gave them, not to try to use your gift. If Jason has a better gift than I have, okay, it's not going to work if I'm trying to use that gift. I don't have it. Okay, so I've got to stay focused on where God has gifted me, not where God has gifted him. That, that's, that, that's what we need to do. And so part of what we're all supposed to do with our gifts is to help maintain the unity in the church. And we should use our gift to help that happen. I'm not going to go back over it again, but in First in, um, Corinthians 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, we see multiple references to unity. God wants us united. And what does that mean? United in our work. United in our goals. United in our effort. This, the Holy Spirit's definitely united. Without a doubt. The Lord is united Listen, the Lord is not sending out conflicting instructions. The Lord is not called any of us to work against the other one. And so if there is, if there is a schism in the body, if there is something where we're not working together, somebody's out of line. Somebody's not doing things right. And we got to make sure that we are following God's, uh, you know, God's will in these things because God wants us to be united and so never get sidetracked by someone that you don't think is pulling their weight you don't know what's going on in their life right now you don't know where they're at spiritually right now i mean some some people grow slower than other people some people are just backslidden some people go through seasons that are that are negative in their christian walk but you know maybe and again like i said before maybe their job is to be the thorn in the flesh of the body so we'll learn his grace is sufficient maybe god wants you to learn how to serve him or, you know, or serve with the motivation being him and not other people. So he puts you around sorry people that drive you crazy because he wants you looking at him because folks, who are we ultimately supposed to be here for? Hey, if we are here for Jesus Christ, hey, who's supposed to be the head of this church? Jesus, right? And all things he might have the preeminence. And if we're carnal, we can get our focus on people you can get your focus on the pastor. You can get your focus on other members of the church if you're being carnal. And any of us can be carnal. But if the focus is on Jesus Christ, then the priority, it is, it's going to be about the doctrine. It's going to be about the Word of God. And again, if you find a church around here doing better than us, 
you know, let me know so we can copy off them and, you know, we can do, we can do better. But again, if you are, if you are willing to sacrifice doctrine, things, you know, things in the Bible that you know are true because you like a group of people better, understand you're, you've gotten your focus off and you're not going to be united there either. You're going to end up having conflict there too. And what we've got to learn to do is sometimes we are just going to have to put up with people. We're going to have to put up with stuff. And so God might send that thorn in the flesh to just get everybody looking at God again, to get everybody looking at Jesus Christ again. That's what we need to do. And if we do that, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be united. And so whatever we have, it was given to us by God. We need to make sure we were focusing on using our gifts for the church. And back where we started in Ephesians 4, in verse 15, it goes on to say, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so just remember, God put the people in the church as it pleased Him, not you. He puts the people in it that He thinks the church needs, not you. And then in verse 29, it goes on to say, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And you want to know why we see people sometimes leave churches that they don't even disagree with the doctrine on? Because of anger, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. They'll just say horrible things about people in the church. Why is that? They got their focus off somewhere. You got to keep the focus on Jesus Christ and you've got to do whatever it is that God has gifted you to do. Get it done and let's be united. Let's be one body. Let's encourage other people. Listen, anything somebody else does in the church, that's something we don't have to do. That's my attitude. I just want to see things get done. I don't really want to do anything, but I do want to see things get done. I really do. So, and so the truth is, Anytime I see somebody doing anything good, I want to encourage them. Hey, keep it up. Keep it going. That's good. We're, we're, you're, you're accomplishing something. And now I don't have to do it. But then too, I guess I don't want to say I don't want to do nothing. I, don't want to, I just don't want to do everything. I want to do something. But anything you're doing, that's something else. I've got a million things I can do. And so let's just get it done. And so hopefully this was a help to you. You are a gift to the church. And figure out what that gift is. So with that, let's stand. Close the word of prayer to your Lord. We thank you so much for uh, your word and and, uh, the blessings that we get from it. And I pray, Lord, you'll help all of us to uh, figure out what our gifts are in the church. Help us to use it. Help us to edify each other. Help us to care about the other parts of this body and be a blessing to each other. In your name we pray. Amen.